0: Are you
1: there, Dave? Yeah, I am.
0: I think the show's live. You want to introduce?
1: Uh, I thought that was your job, Brett.
0: (laughs) Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, I am so sorry for everyone listening to this and and hearing me fumble. I was still moving from a seatbelt alarm going off, but welcome to another episode of a small council radio. Uh, where we discuss all things *The Song of Ice and Fire, the Miniatures game. Today we're going to be focusing on this last weekend of play at Adepticon. So I have Dave on here, and I think Craig is joining us today, right?
1: Or is it just you and I? Just you and I for today. Craig will be on with us uh, tomorrow.
0: Okay, so I'm just absolutely terrible, and did not i guess i didn't get the memo that i was being the host so today we're focusing on the team event
1: correct correct or no um man you're all jumbled (laughs) Um, i know we're talking about the (laughs) the the 55 point and the casual um since uh, i believe out of Everyone, I was the only, uh, out of every small council member, I was the only one to do those two, so we're going to knock those two out today. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to do the championship, and it's going to be me, you, and Craig, uh, since we are all in that one, and then me and Spencer will headway the team tournament on Friday uh, to do three shows this week.
0: Okay. No, that's fine, so. I can't so much speak to the 55-point event, but I did have a list prepped for it. I had every intention of coming to play, but uh, that car accident the weekend before kind of really threw a wrench in the gears, and I wasn't able to make it because I had to help Susie get a vehicle before I took off for the weekend. So um, we can go over the list that you ran and some of the stuff that you saw. I'm actually very interested to cover a couple of things, and of course, today I can only get your opinion. Um, I wasn't necessarily asked to do it by Simon per se, but I am taking it on myself to poll all of the guys that played in any of the events just to kind of form some opinions to give back to Robert. But as you know, and maybe the listeners don't know, but the entire event was based off of the random terrain chart. Now, me personally, I really enjoyed it because I'm of the opinion where – I'm somewhat indifferent. If I can choose my terrain, great. I'll pick terrain that best works for my list, and I'll abuse it as much as possible. When the terrain pool is random, and then you're also rolling off with your opponent, and they can take your best piece of terrain and put it out of position, I think it forces you to adapt as a player. Um, You're forced to adapt to what terrain is available. Now, speaking from a battle point of view, that tends to make a lot of sense, because you can't necessarily pick where that fight happens. I mean, you can to an extent, but if you're on a battlefield, you're not really able to set up the battle the way you want it and say, yeah, come fight me here. And, you know, they're, they're not going to do it if they can avoid it. So I'm a fan of the fact that the random terrain table makes you adapt to what's on the table. And maybe in some instances you, you have to kind of switch your strategies because you're not able to take control of that situation. I personally would like to see random terrain become the tournament standard, and being able to pick terrain should be an option for the more casual games, because I just feel overall that that the good 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 (laughs) players and the players that understand the game will be able to adapt, and it shouldn't matter that they can't pick the terrain that they want. So I'm sure that there's going to be some issues with people disagreeing with me there, but that's how I personally feel about it. So before we go into the specific event, how did you feel about the random terrain as a whole?
1: Uh, Overall, if you were to ask me, like, one or the other uh, player choice or random, I would choose random every time. Um, Personally, if I got to have it my way, I would do more of a hybrid, you know, each player picks one piece and then everything else is random, uh, I think would be a great uh, compromise. But uh, seeing as that's not even one of the options in the rule book, uh, I would say random is definitely my preferred choice. I think, like you were saying, being able to adapt to it, uh, I think adds an extra level of um, player skill. You know, Knowing you're going to have Let's say a weirwood tree goes into your list building, and I think um, that would be like equivalent to knowing exactly what faction you're going to play against and knowing exactly what mission you will play. Um, and I feel like, you know, for example, you know, if I knew I could just pick all of my terrain pieces, why not run a bunch of she bears, you know, with warcry hit, uh, on five ups rather than the six up? Or four up if I'm running Rickon. so um I just think that random uh is just much better of a uh of a you know for competitive play it's just it's it's better for testing player skills um now i'm I would have to say I'm not like die hard one or the other, like if I see a tournament that's player choice, I'm like. It's not like I'm going to avoid it or make a stink about it. It's just if you were to ask me, you know, my preference, it would be random.
0: Okay, fair enough. So let's let's move on to the 55-pointer. Again, I didn't play, but I'll tell you the list that I had drawn up that I was planning to take. And then you can go into what you took, some of the things that you saw, and how you feel the game plays at that level because I – personally enjoy at least 50-point 50, 50 games. 55 is an interesting number. I do kind of like it, but at any rate, the list that I was planning to run, um, obviously it's a two-list format. I had John Commander and Ranger Hunters, Ranger Hunters with a Hardened Ranger, Ghost, Cold Hands, Foreign Brothers with a Watch Captain, a Watch Marshal, Amon, Bowen Marsh, and Awful. And my second list, I had Vets with Donald Noy, Sworn Brothers with a Captain, Sworn Brothers with a Captain, Cold Hands, a Marshal, Trackers, Corn. Half Hand, Amon, and Bowen. I was really looking forward to running that Donald Noy list, kind of just for the memes, because I have a Watch Marshal and I have corn in the list. So with Sworn Brothers and a Watch Captain, I'm um, up to eight dice. Corn puts it to nine, the Watch Marshal puts, puts it to ten, and Sword in the Darkness could put it to eleven. So it's kind of a a for the memes moment, having uh, a unit of Sworn Brothers chucking 11 attack dice, but didn't get to happen, never got to see it play. I was really also running this list because I've been debating dropping a third NCU and working a Watch Marshal into the list anyway. I think the Watch Marshal has some very strong points that make him good. And so I am I was interested in trying it at the 55 points just to
1: see uh,
0: how well I could keep him alive, you know, and test some of that stuff out where it would be a lot more forgiving if I did lose him. Uh, so, unfortunately, I'm going to have to try it out in the 40-point slot just to see how it does.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, playing at 55 points is definitely – Uh, something that really throws a curveball at you is, you know, I have only ever played 50 points, you know, a handful of times, let alone 55 points. It's definitely a weird number to try to build a list for. It was played on a four by six. um, So 55 points is close to what I think should be played on a four by six. Uh, me personally, I think I've mentioned it before. Um, if I think adding an extra foot to the width for every ten points, you know, so forty points for a four by four, fifty points for a four by five, and sixty points for a four by six. So fifty-five points is almost at that sixty-point mark for that four by six. So it definitely wasn't too bad. Uh, the only thing I think could have uh, maybe made it a little better, was, uh, the terrain was still D3 plus 2. I would have much rather have seen it be a little, uh, higher of a, a like, total amount, uh, because some, like, there was a game, I want to say one of my three games was only three pieces. Three pieces on a 4x6, you might as well not even have any pieces, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was interesting. Um, my list, uh, I ran. I had a Balon list and a Victorian list. I ran the Balon list once, and the Victorian list twice. The Balon list I ran, or I made, just as like a, a backup in case I faced a newer player or a, a, a player I knew was a lot more casual. That list was literally one of every unit, and only two NCU's. It was Iron Makers with Balon. Silencemen, Blacktide Black Tide Chosen, Reapers, Reavers, Trappers, Bowmen, Hedge Knights, Eric, and Windermere. Um, all of the units had no attachments other than the Commander Balon and the Iron Makers, and it was just a let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 activation list. Uh, and it performed well. Uh, it was nice having a little mixture of everything out there. I did consider um, uh, Cleft Draw, just because of the coordination tactics, having so many different units out there to try to get some extra effects with, but I just felt like, um... the Iron Makers really needed some sort of morale buff of some sort. thought about Asha, but ultimately I went with Balon. Um, My main list, though, um, which was Victorian, I went with... uh, Reapers with Victorian, mostly because I had an extra point uh, that I didn't know what else to really do with. Uh, Reavers with Newt. Reavers with Carl. Reavers with Warsworn. Reavers with Warsworn. Trappers with Asha. Bowman, Bowman, Eric, Wendy, and Harlaw. Uh, That one, I believe, was 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 activations. Um, And again, it performed super well. I would say over the... Course of every tournament where I ran, uh, Greyjoy's Harlaw was MVP. Uh, super underrated, in my opinion. You're
0: you're saying Roderick is underrated.
1: Uh, Harlaw is.
0: Yeah, Roderick Harlaw. Yeah, I think I think I largely agree. In the in the few games where I've played Greyjoys, I think I've played 12. For me, he's I mean, he's not necessarily an auto-include because I think Windermere is good. I think Roderick is good. Uh, Peter Baelish is always good. I think Christopher is better than people think. And then, of course, you have Blind Baron who's incredibly strong. And then, if you're running Ironmakers, I think Eric is almost mandatory. So you've got a lot of MCU options, but I it, it is a feel bad for me when I run without him because it's essentially you know, you've got your opening draw and then you've essentially got two more opportunities to cycle your cards out and, and get a chance to get the cards that you need. But in particular the Greyjoy deck works best when you have the right cards at the right moment, right? So If you're getting what is dead may never die when you're at risk of losing a unit, if you're getting the iron price early, if you're getting rating call when you can go ahead and add a pillage token when you really need it. Things like this really make Roderick strong, Um, not to mention the commander cards that you need at any given moment. So I really like him. I struggle to make lists without him. He's not, again, he's not auto-include per se, but I really like the opportunity to get those cards in your hand when you need them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll go into uh, more like in depth with Harlaw, mostly because um, I would say uh, he was super impactful every time I used him, but probably the least impactful with the 55 point. So, uh, instead of doing a deep dive on Harlaw on this one, I, I'll probably save that for uh, tomorrow's show, and then probably rehash it uh, when me and Spencer do the the team show. So, um, so yeah, I ended up using Victorian twice and uh, Balon once. The Balon list I used the first round. That's because I ended up facing uh, Martin, uh, who stood in. Because there was an odd number of players um so instead of giving a buy, I played him and martin uh is an awesome guy he uh he was the one that ran the event, so it wasn't a buy he actually played me um and you know he, he's uh he's also a good player, and you know so I figured I would throw out uh, a more friendly list um and uh, if I recall correctly I did not win by that much, maybe like three, four uh victory points, but it was definitely a very fun game. Uh Martin's such an awesome guy. Uh he set up all the events, uh ran all the events and got it all good to go. Um you know, he works tirelessly to get all these events going all over the place and to just really promote the game. Um and then my next uh opponent was uh John Cash who was running his fifty five point Targaryen list. Um let's see, if I recall it was Drogo and Bloodriders, Flaymen, Hedge Knights, Screamers, Outriders, um and then uh three NCUs. He had uh, Walder, Peter Baelish, and, uh, is it Priot Pre? Um, the one that, uh, opens up the extra slot. Yeah, it's so Priot Pre. He calls that NCU
0: lineup the Golden Girls. It's pretty funny, actually.
1: <laughs> so, uh, John was awesome to uh, play against. Um, super, you know, relaxed, uh, I was speeding through my cards so fast because of uh, because of Harlaw and Wendemir letting me draw extra cards um, that I was able to combo into getting all my finger dances, playing them out, getting all of my uh, rush of aggressions and assault orders and all these cards that I'm just constantly just playing over and over and over. You know, I'd have like a five-card hand and then use one, when mirror draw one by the end of the round I used like six cards every round and so by the end I think it was the end of round four I only had like two cards left in my deck. Uh and <laughs> he he would just constantly be like, All right man, just let me know what it does <laughs> uh, but um super awesome player. Um and then last uh last round I played Gary Luther um definitely a great player. We played uh for the final slot. Um, he had his super, super tough uh Barathean list. Uh you know, it's basically like an immovable object, so my uh I decided to go with the Victorian list because, you know, I needed a lot more punching power to get through his uh defense and you know It was one of those instances of, you know, an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. And uh, in this case, the unstoppable force did not uh, crack the defense. Um, Also, we played uh, Dark Wings, Dark Words. Everyone kind of has their opinion about different missions. Uh, For me, that's this one. I personally hate Dark Wings, Dark Words for tournament play. It's actually the only one I don't like. I know a lot of people have a list of them they don't like. Some people could care less. For me, it's just Dark Wings, Dark Words. And that's just because the uh, mission deck is too random for my liking. Uh, At least with Winds of Winter, I have control over half of the objectives that are going to be scorable. And on top of that, I can pick when they're scorable. Um, So it's uh it's just one of those things um I try to roll with uh how you know with, with I try to roll with the mission and make the best of it but Gary was able to uh come out on top of that one um Gary ended up taking uh first place and then I took uh uh best general which is second uh second place for the 55 point
0: yeah it's 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 still a really good showing, I mean at fifty five points it it gets interesting um, I think overall, a lot of the things that work in the forty point slot don't necessarily just translate over to fifty five points. I don't think it's as simple as oh, I took my forty point list and then I added fifteen points to it. I think you have to give a lot more consideration in list building to what your opponent can bring, and in the case of Gary, the double the double champions of the stag with glory seeker probably just even better at the 55 point slot. Um, They have a little bit more room to work and he can bring some more elite units, but he can also kind of fill out some of his core with things that are just hard to deal with. Um, In that instance, playing dark wings, dark words. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on what missions are drawn, but that type of list is ideal in a scenario where there's only three objectives because he can spread those glory seekers across the field and his infantry units are going to be very difficult to contest because he's able to pop two wounds back on them at any given time. And then by the time they attack, they can make sure that they've got enough ranks. So it's kind of a matter of being able to push him off objectives. And as you mentioned, you know uh, that's difficult to do when I played Gary, which we'll, we'll cover, I guess when we do the individual event, I was very fortunate to have drawn a mission that didn't have objectives and the mission actually rewarded a little bit more passive play, like retreating (laughs) and not having to get rid of stuff (laughs) because the, the way he's built his list, it's actually very impressive in certain missions because it's next to impossible to get rid of a unit. So if, the mission relies on you actually killing things, you might be out of luck against his build. Um, It took everything I had to kill one unit, and that's all I was able to kill. And other than that, I think he ended the game with basically three full trays, outside of the one unit that I was able to get through. So it's really, really tough. Um, It's a a really tough match for Greyjoys as well um, because some of the things that they're able to leverage against other armies don't necessarily work Against his Baratheon army, that's super tanky. You're not getting the the kills out of the bows like you're used to getting, even when you have finger dance on them. Unless you're shooting flank or rear, it's so hard to get enough hits to really make the champions of the Stag care. So, I mean, again, I was wailing on them with sworn brothers with watch captain, and it wasn't enough to get through them. So, I can imagine it was a really tough battle. But Gary. That's his style. He plays attrition. He plays, you know, the survivability, and he doesn't mind going for the non-flashy win. He just, he'll survive, and he'll beat you by one or two points because all he really has to do is grind a unit or two of yours down, and if you don't specifically know how to deal with the tech that he's bringing, it's kind of a nightmare.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, the perfect way to put it. I, uh, you know, I tried consolidating all of my efforts, and no matter how much damage I seemed to do, uh, you know, he was able to just heal it back, or his high defense just weathered it, uh, even with, you know, Sundering, or even flank with Sundering, and then all of Victorian's free attacks, and it just didn't really matter. Um, So it was definitely a very tough list and um, a well-deserved win. Yeah,
0: it's it's really tough. I think he was also running those Ramsey stag knights as well, right?
1: Um, yeah, I believe his list was uh he has some wardens with Davos, uh one point Davos. He had Kingsmen with uh Andrew, two champions of the stag with uh Glory Seekers and um uh, Stag Knights with uh, Ramsey two-point attachment and then the free um, NCUs were uh, I want to say Littlefinger and um, Melisandre and I want to say that was it um, let see that's 18, one, two, three, 35.
0: four, five no he must have had a naked warden in there as well because that only adds up to 50 Eighteen twenty-five. Okay and then 35 for the Stags, 41 for the Davos, and then he's got five more points. So I'm sure he just took a regular unit of warden.
1: Yeah, probably. But uh, on that note, um, all weekend, or I should say all weekend, because Sunday did not play Gray Joyce, but uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single time I faced a Melisandre, and they tried – you know, just nuking my bowmen, which have a horrible save. Uh, they were quite successful at you know initially nuking them with like a double, a quick double Mel uh, zap between Mel and then the crown. Um, but never once did uh, Mel actually get to kill one of my bowmen, which was nice. The Greyjoy's just have too much healing. And then if you're going to try to spend all game, you know, spending your five point NCU to try to kill a bowman, that probably might not happen you know i'm all for it so that was you know something going into it after the first smell bomb hit my bowman i was like okay let's see if i can keep them alive you know i had my doubts but i still wanted to see if it was doable and it was definitely uh nice to see that uh if you put enough uh support into them that they'll survive now granted you could say that is a win for the baratheon player but i don't know personally um you know, five points is a lot for an NCU, and it can be demoralizing to have your NCU feel like it's not really getting its points worth, Uh, and so I consider that a win. Yep.
0: I think so. Um, And I I agree with you. Initially, when they showed Mel at five points, I had some concerns. I was like, oh, Melisandre, she's going to you know, she's going to be melting through Raiders and Bowmen and, and things like this. But when it um, when it actually ends up being played on the table, you know, uh, for Greyjoys in particular, um, they've got ways to keep them alive, I think. And and even when you played John Hurley and I, we kind of gave up on the idea of Mel bombing your bows. Like, we just we just stopped even giving up the wounds. We just did the regular panic test because it's like... You know, even if you do five wounds on this panic test, you've got Windermere, He's got other things that can heal them. We're not going to ever get them down to one rank and reduce their outputs. So there's really no point in Mel bombing. Now, if if you if you Mel bomb into, like, an assault orders from Andrew Estermont, that's a good way of, of using her to just soften that unit up. But as far as the the, the notion that Mel's just going to completely remove units from the table in round one round two it's it's really not going to happen so unless you're doing the double crowns zap off of the crown which potentially leaves the bags open to heal anyway the odds of actually nuking a unit strictly with melisandre are pretty slim against raiders you would have to have a perfect roll but they also i've seen free folks starting to lean into Craster. so the odds of actually using Mel to remove a unit are slim to none. And I think it's, it's a thing that uh, the meta, it's kind of like a, Mel's a boogeyman for the meta, but she's really, she's really not all that bad. I think her greatest strength lie in taking her to the letters, placing a panic token, and doing some chips on an elite unit in a faction that doesn't have a Windermere or a Craster or an Amon or something like that. So overall, I think the overreaction to Melisandre is kind of unwarranted.
1: Yeah. I think uh, another thing to keep in mind is what you're targeting. You know, like you were mentioning uh, when you decided to just stop trying for my Bowman. I mean, and just do the regular panic test because when you deal yourself two wounds that's uh you know what were you guys doing on at first i think it was uh one of your calves right um was it the yeah, champ- well, we took, champions
0: we took two wounds off the dsn initially just
1: kind of supercharged him
0: and then from there we kind of just stopped messing with him we didn't use ed art or anything to heal him back so he was running around for pretty much the whole game with one wound, and then he kind of became a liability later in the game. But after that, I think we were basically taking wounds off the Tully Cav and the Champions of the Stag. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you think to yourself, those are eight-point units. You're taking two wounds off of them just to potentially do two more wounds to a four-point Bowman. Um, you know, it's it's not really a fair trade-off. Um, you know, now granted, if it was like a six, seven-point unit, uh, because of attachments or this or that, it's a little different, but a cheap four-point unit, doing two to yourself just to have the Greyjoys, you know, who have a ton of healing, heal it all back up, I feel like that's just more of a detriment to the, the Baratheon player than it is to whatever they're trying to zap, so... I think, uh, avoiding, not only avoiding them, but just stop, you know, stopping, uh, hurting herself was the right, uh, move. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. She did well for us in a lot of games, just not so much against you guys.
1: But overall, I thoroughly enjoyed the 55 point event, um, it was nice to see some of the awesome armies. Um, you know, I think I want to say John cash won the best appearance. So I want to congratulate him for that. Um, uh, I believe Thursday they didn't have any judges yet. Um, so they only did like, Player's choice. So anyone not familiar with AdeptCon, um, they they do two painting awards. They do player choice, which is everyone in the tournament votes on the best painted. And then they also, then uh, in between uh, one of the rounds, will have ju- uh, a couple judges actually come over and professionally judge everyone's army. And that one's just. Uh, I want to say called Best Appearance, and the other one's called Player's Choice. Um, But I want to, you know, just congratulate John Cash for getting the uh, Player's Choice for the 55-point event. He had uh, some amazing, uh, you know, skin tones. I was telling him how, you know, the way he did the skin tones uh, uh, with a really heavy contrast um, is my personal favorite, uh, way to do skin and I've never been able to master it the way I like to. Um but it was definitely a great uh great looking army. Yeah,
0: and I, I think he also designed his bases to simulate the uh battle from the show where the dragons first come and, and burn up the Lannisters. So he had a bunch of wagon wheels and broken <laughs> Lannister wheels and things like that. It was pretty nice. cool. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess since I didn't participate in the 55, we don't have a whole lot to talk about. So um, we can kind of just go into some general things and kind of talk about what the future holds because Robert was there and he was very impressed with the team event as a whole. He really enjoyed how much fun everybody was having. He liked some of the combos people were able to come up with. So he was talking about putting together more official on sponsored events that are team events. Um, how do you feel about that before we move on to the casual event.
1: Sorry, uh, uh, what was the main question?
0: Uh, Robert had mentioned that he was
1: looking into making the
0: team events more of an official CMON event, uh, perhaps even a standalone event, you know, over a couple of days where you build a, a team event. And If you get enough people, you do maybe three rounds one day, two rounds the next. But he he really likes the team event was that asking in general, how you would feel about a tournament specifically geared towards team events. I know that we've done them in indie as side events, but if, if they were to put together like, hey – we're going to have this two day event and it's going to be a team event. How how would you feel about it?
1: Um I think uh you know the more event uh the more events the better. I would, you know, never really say no to it. I would say if if we're looking to it would depend on what the intent is. The intent is to make it more uh streamlined in the sense that it would be more uh like competitive, like looking to make it more of a more common tournament type thing that, uh, people want to practice for and get like lists ready for, I would think there would probably have to be some sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a committee, but, a like a group of people that would have to get together and figure out some of the most broken, um, combinations and maybe restrict some of it. Um, Fortunately, uh, we didn't encounter... uh, I was quite surprised with, uh, you know, how a lot of the teams at the team events did not, like, fully, you know, um, really try to, like, break the entire (laughs) team event system because there was some there's some combinations that are so ridiculous that, uh, you know, it just, you know, obviously it was never meant to be a thing, but, you know, I was talking to, um, Mark, uh, Rupp about, you know, he was mentioning some of the combos and, uh, one of the ones he mentioned was running, um, Roderick NCU <clears throat> with, uh, you know, so starts with any faction that has Relentless and then you just you activate attack, you Relentless attack, you Roderick order to put Relentless back, Relentless attack, you Roderick order to put Relentless back, attack, you could like replace the zone on the tactics board and attack uh, with Assault Orders, like things like that, I think just get a little too nutty (laughs) but If we're just talking strictly having, uh, you know, some cool events in addition to, like, some other tournaments and just kind of making it very, uh, um, you know, known ahead of time, hey, this is a tournament. It is competitive. But also, please keep in mind that some of these interactions are pretty wonky and were never really meant to be a thing. Uh, So please, you know, Kind of like a a disclaimer or a warning, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, That way people don't take it too, too seriously because, you know, (laughs) a lot of these thing a lot of these interactions were never meant to, like, happen. (laughs) You still there, Brett?
0: Yeah, I was muted. Sorry. Um, I think that was what Robert (laughs) found to be the most fun anyway. I think when you're running an event like that, you know that those types of things can happen. So if you choose to show up to the event, you're you're showing up knowing that somebody's going to exploit a very dirty combo, but you also have the opportunity to exploit a dirty combo. So I don't really see anything wrong with it. I, I don't think that you really limit anything. You just have to know going into it, like, hey, this exists. It can happen. Uh, we're just going to have the most fun that we can with it. It doesn't matter. And and that's the big thing is it's an event focused on fun. Like getting bent out of shape that a a very strong combo exists is kind of pointless because it's things that, you know, the developers have taken care to make sure don't exist within faction. So it's really not like the end of the world if you get out-comboed. You know, you're – doing your best to optimize your list somebody else is doing their best to optimize the list i think that makes it fair because everybody has access to everything you know um your opinion of what's the most busted combo could be different from someone else's you know so um i think it's all in good fun i I think you you don't even have to disclaim i mean at the point where you're doing a combined tactics deck and you're mixing two armies It just goes without saying that you're going to have combos that you wouldn't have playing a normal game. I I just think it's good. It's a good event that has some overtones of competitive play, but more than anything, it's not necessarily beer and pretzels. Like let's just go be goofy. Like obviously you want to go and and you're playing to win, but it it is fun. You know, it is fun having those types of games, and and I, I think it just pushes that fun level into a different direction. It's just different. It's not for everybody, but it's different. And I think it's on, I would travel to do it simply because there's not any, there's really no pressure there. It's just like, eh, you know, we did our best, but we ran into a ridiculous combo and we just weren't tech for it. And that's what it is, but who cares? You know, so we can move on to the casual event. Um, we can discuss, you know, the list that you chose to bring, some of the things that you ran into and and how it was. I do think that a a fun, casual event is a great way to end the weekend again because of some of the stress and strain. If you went and you tried to go hard uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's nice to finish off Sunday with something a lot more relaxed, something a lot more casual and just really not care at all. So go ahead and go over what you ran and some of the things that you ran into.
1: So as you're saying it's a nice way to kind of you know t- uh, taper off the the end of the the week the last uh, day of the convention you know by this time I'm I'm running on empty basically uh for those who didn't read my post on the main Facebook page I basically woke up at 6:30 or you know so Wednesday uh I went on Duran, helped some people set up. Went and uh, checked out the, the, you know, just the convention center. I had been there before, but it had been a long time. Got my badge that night. Then woke up at 6:30 a.m. Uh, the next morning to go to, uh, um, 6:30 a.m. to go to the tournament for the 55. Played that all day got home, ate, showered, slept, woke up 6, you know, at like 1 in the morning, then went to bed. Rinse repeat, pretty much the same thing, you know, waking up at 6:30, going to bed at 1. By Sunday, I got home and, you know, I was so ridiculously tired. I showered uh and my wife and kids were all out uh at the um at her grandparents didn't even hear any of them come in because i had passed out without even knowing it as my four kids, you know, come into the living room all laughing at me as i'm drooling on myself. <laughs> so, you know, uh it was definitely a very long it was it was awesome. Um as far as the casual event, uh it was Something that I, you know, we had kind of discussed on the last episodes about my list and how I was going to, you know, make my second list be something super competitive just in case I, you know, faced that one person. Uh, I decided to kind of take more of a middle ground with that, which ended up didn't, didn't really matter. But my second list was just kind of semi-competitive. Uh, it wasn't like hyper-competitive. It was just um, Holland-themed. So I had like Holland. Uh, and Berserkers. uh, What was it? Uh, Some just Sworn Swords, no attachment. Crowning Men, no attachment. Then I had Bowman with Mira. Then I had Bastard Scrolls with Jojen. uh, And then I want to say I had Littlefinger and Sansa. So competitive, but not like crazy amazing. Um, But with that said, I actually did not even use that list. Uh, I used the same list all three games, and that was... uh, Eddard in his Honor Guard, six Sworn Swords with no attachments, and one NCU, Catelyn Stark. Um, First round, I ended up facing... uh, uh, What was the first round? I remember the second and third. First round... Oh, first round was uh, an amazing uh, player. Uh, Her name was Leah. She was a Free Folk player. She had a list that she called Chicks with Sticks, which was pretty cool. Um it was Spearwives with Harma Commander and uh another unit Spearwives with her bannerman which was converted to be a, a woman. Um so I believe it was the alternate sculpt matriarch. Uh and then like her spear was actually the staff with a bunch of dog heads. Um had a uh, giant with some uh, big tits on it. <laughs> uh, had a mammoth that she claimed that uh, everyone assumed was female, but had no idea because no one was willing to get close close enough to check. And uh, then she had uh, bear riders, and their NCU's were Lady Val and Egret. Um, super fun. Um, I won that one just by mission uh by objectives you know it, otherwise it was really close it was pretty much neck and neck as far as like killing each other and really taking stuff out but i just had so many bodies i was able to take uh i want to say it was clash of kings i was able to take um two of the objectives uh and then just throw bodies uh in the way as we fought over the third one and the bodies protected the other two. Um, Super fun game. Second game was a newer player. Um, He was playing Baratheons and, again, um, even though he was a newer player, he, uh, I, again, had to win just by objectives. Um, Which one was this one? I want to say this one was, uh, um, Dance with Dragons? Uh, so, yes, Dance with Dragons. So, I was able to get to the objectives first, basically take them, run away, as I threw all of my other units at him, and by the end of the game, uh, he didn't kill any units, but all, because uh, I have seven combat units, um, the three holding the objectives were pretty full health, but the four that were doing all the screening were down to, you know, like anywhere between one to three models each. Um, super, You know, if it wasn't for, again, how many bodies I had on the field, I don't think I really could have won that one. Even with him being a newer player, um, he was just, he was rolling super hot and he was, you know, he kind of had like a natural uh, knack for, for the game. And then the last game was uh you know, we were both two and two. And he was also playing free folk. Um, after looking around at all the different uh armies, his was definitely the one I was worried about the most. Um he was running a uh rattleshirt uh list, but um he had Rattleshirt in his uh honor guard, uh the the Bone Lords Chosen. He had a unit of trappers with no attachment. He then had the Bear Riders, Mag the Mighty, and Wanwan. And then he just ran one NCU as well, which was Craster. Um, And this was fire and blood. Uh, I knew I was going to have to pull. Are you there, Dave? Maybe hitting brick wall. Can yeah, you hear what me? You just, yeah, you just suddenly disconnected. What was the last thing you heard me say? You said I knew
0: I would have to, and then you kind of just disappeared.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I think my uh, screen started going to... Uh, um, it started going to the screensaver. Uh, so... It... Uh, You know, I knew I had to really play to the objectives, uh, or not the objectives, but to the, you know, the mission um, special rules. So I marked his uh, Bone Lords Chosen, and then I marked the Trappers, uh, because I knew they were possibly the only things I was going to be able to kill. He marked just two Sworn Swords, uh, one on both sides of the field. Fortunately for me, he... um, he deployed both the trappers and uh, the bone lords chosen on the same side as one of my marked units and the other three tough units all on the other side. With a, and we had a, uh, a stakes right in the middle uh, of the field. So I got pretty lucky in drawing. Um, I drew assault orders. So what I did was I just kind of out activated him waited a bit and then my last activation i marched my um sworn swords that were marked i then used uh on his turn a a uh, swift reposition to kind of shift sideways to get into the flank of the trappers i then uh finally activated catlin took the um swords and used assault orders to charge the flank of the trappers and did a ton of damage. I think they only had like three wounds left, Uh, and then I had first activation top of the round. So I then attacked, killed him, gave me four victory points right off the bat, and then he was starting to really decimate my, my left flank, which is where all of his big stuff was. So what I had to do to make sure I won is I timed it just right. Uh, over two rounds, I marked Rattleshirt and his Bone Lord's Chosen twice to make him worth two points extra. I then had to weaken him just enough. I then saved um, uh, Devastating Impact as well as uh, Winter's Might and charged the flank of them with the marked, with my marked sworn swords again, killing them, giving me six points. One for the unit, two because it's marked, one because it's a marked unit, and two because I had placed two tokens on them, putting me at exactly 10 points, allowing me to trigger the victory and end the game before <laughs> before Mag, the bears, and Wanwan just devastated everything because that's the way it was going. Um, So I got super lucky in that one because I triggered the victory only on uh, turn four. So we still had, or no, sorry, on turn three. So we still had three full rounds for him to just start wrecking my face. So super close, really came down to just timing everything perfectly um, and then, so after that, I ended 3-0, uh, um, taking uh, the first place with with that edited all-star list, running it every time. And that was kind of my goal, like I was mentioning in the last episode from the get-go, was to make sure I just ran, you know, that I went in with the intent that this was my only list and the other list was just a backup in case, you know, I faced someone that was more of a uh, seasoned Player who decided to just run something super good because, uh, you know, I don't want to just, like, give a free win away. Um, not that the Eddard was a, a crazy amount of and Swords is bad, but, you know, it definitely had its uh, drawbacks having one NCU. He's still there, Brett. I think you might be muted. Yeah, I was muted again. This is the worst <laughs> show ever. I'm terrible today.
0: No, I think, I think overall it's largely considered that 1NCU that is definitely putting you at a disadvantage. Um, obviously, Mark ran 1NCU against me in that final game, and he did pretty well under the circumstances. Um, but overall, yeah, you're missing out on a lot, uh, particularly with the Stark deck having Assault Orders. It's better to have two at least. Um, And also they've got some really nice MCU choices with uh, Sansa and Arya. But I'm glad that the event was fun. I'm glad that you had fun. I'm glad that New Blood showed up and got the opportunity to play. Um, It's unfortunate that I had to, you know, go home and take care of the kids. Otherwise, I was planning to stick around just to play some fun, casual games. I probably would have just done like a starter box challenge and – just picked a faction, took their starter box and tried to see what I could do with it. It might have been Targaryen or something like that. Uh but nonetheless, uh I wasn't there, you were there, you won, so uh you deserve your kudos for winning. So um I think really honestly there's there's not much to say until we get the other guys on and talk about the forty pointer. Um the championship event. I think that's the big event that people really want to hear about anyway. So for today. I think we can pretty much just close out if you have any shout outs or anything you want to do. Uh
1: yeah, just quickly I wanted to shout out again uh Martin and even Simon. The amount of prize support they brought was insane. Granted, you know, they had to bring enough for four different tournaments, but um, you know, I was the you know, I I posted, you know, kind of a picture of uh, my total like haul for the week, and you know I wasn't the only one that got a crazy amount of stuff. So if you know next year if Adepticons in you know a possibility, definitely try to make it to it. I wanted to like address the attendance. I know a lot of people are scoffing at the attendance total. Uh, you have to remember we're still, you know, a lot of people are still kind of unsure about coming out, um, you know, and, you know, a lot of the other tournaments also had a very, like, smaller attendance other than, you know, like the big, you know, 40K and whatnot, Uh, and even 40K, like, we were in the same hall as 40K, and, you know, even though they had a ton of players for their team event, normally they take up that, almost that entire hall by themselves, and they only took up about, say, close to half. So even they, you know, felt the numbers drop. You know, it, it wasn't just exclusive to, you know, to Ice and Fire. Um, Thursday, we only had about eight people, but Thursday events are always very low attendance. That's because, you know, a lot of people are willing to take off, you know, Friday you know, take off one day that way they can go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whatnot. Um, you know, but Thursday, a lot of times people will pass on that one. Um, but you know, I just wanted to say that you know I'm super thankful to Martin and to Simon uh, for you know pulling this one off. You know, it was so fun. Um, I also wanted to mention uh, tomorrow when we do the live show or yeah, when we do the live show tomorrow and talk about the main event, that will be the show that we give away a starter on. Um, I will have a predetermined number for the caller. You will have to call in. Um, I will post, uh, not only on the main Facebook page, but a couple of the other Facebook pages uh, as well as the, um, Small Council Radio Facebook page and the Small Council Radio Discord, uh, giving everyone a heads up of the of, it, of the exact time. I'm going to work it out with uh, Craig and uh, Brett here, uh, probably after the show ends to figure out exactly what time everyone should expect to go on. And you'll for as for the starters, you'll have the option between a nice watch starter set, uh, a new. Lannister starter set. Let's see, a Free Folk starter set, a Baratheon starter set, and a Targaryen starter set. As well as, if you don't mind the older models, we do have a Stark or Lannister, not both, but one or the other of the uh, original starter set halves. Um, And then, if by chance none of those appeal to you, we do have a uh, a handful of sealed uh, boxes that uh, you know I could probably throw two to you if you don't care for any of the starter boxes. Um, with that said, this is open to anyone, even overseas. But I do ask that if you are overseas, that you just pay shipping, uh, because I just shipped two card packs um, to people. And the shipping was more than it was to buy the card pack. And the only reason I did it was because, one, um, the only reason I did it was, one, because the card packs, you know, they had won them. And, you know, I'd feel bad if they didn't get them. But two, they didn't, you know, some of the people that won them, I went ahead and just PayPal'd them the money so that they could purchase them at their shop. But in the case for a couple people, they couldn't find them anywhere or was able to buy them or anything like that. So I just went ahead and bit the bullet and shipped them. And it was quite a bit of money, which I was glad to pay, you know, to get get uh, the listeners their, um, their awards. But with that said, uh, shipping a full starter is going to be insane pricing, you know. So... If you are overseas, feel free to um, call in and try to win a starter, and I will do my best to ship it in such a way where it is condensed, um, especially if you don't need like the terrain and all that stuff, and you literally just want the models. Um, you can just kind of tell me exactly what you want out of a starter, and I will ship that part well. Um, you know, with bubble uh, bubble wrap and whatnot, and make sure it doesn't break, just to make it the shipping less. But I do ask that uh, if you are overseas or even you know anywhere, you know, Canada or whatnot, um, which isn't overseas. So Canada, I might even be able to work it out with you, where um, you know maybe we do like a 50 50 sort of a thing. But I just want to put that disclaimer out there. I will also putting be putting the disclaimer in the post that I uh, a post, reminder as for the show tomorrow. Um, so definitely tune in for that. Um, I would appreciate a, a like on our Facebook page if you haven't already. Um, and uh, definitely share out the show wherever you can. I know you want to win it uh, yourself, but i do uh I would really appreciate uh just sharing the show out wherever possible um, you know i think uh I think that about covers the shout outs
0: yeah i don't I don't have anything particular to shout out either um just want to again say thank you to Martin, for everything that he did, again, as I mentioned on the Facebook post, it's not just that he, you know, ran the tournament and was very good at answering questions and helping everybody out with any issues that came up. Um, he also took the trouble of painting armies so that the ringers could play with a painted Army. He did a ton of painting, which means he brought a ton of stuff with him besides just his personal belongings. So that is amazing from him, very, very cool thing to do, very selfless. His wife baked a whole bunch of cookies. Uh, they were there for everyone to enjoy. They brought waters just in case people were really thirsty and didn't have the opportunity to get up mid-game and take a break or anything like that, or I think it was even for people who couldn't necessarily afford. The, the waters at the convention were $5, and I don't know about anyone else, but I drink a crap ton <laughs> kind of water. I, I ran to a gas station and got some, but, you know, for some people that traveled and didn't have the luxury of having a car on site, that kind of stuff really adds up. You know, it's it's not something you necessarily take into account when you're planning these trips. <laughs> I think I drank six or seven waters throughout the event. Um, that's just a matter of the mental anxiety causing physical exhaustion. So, uh, it was really cool for him to think ahead and bring water for people so that they had access to it. Um, the cookies was a nice touch. Um, I also want to thank Robert. Um, Robert handles – I'm going to take a second to talk to you about Robert if you've never met him. Robert, like Michael Knall and Fabio, If you've if you've never met them and spent a little bit of time getting to know them, any of those three, it's really hard to kind of just – associate them as this blank face of CMON, but when you get some time to actually talk to them and get to know them, they are really, really, really awesome people on that personal level. Um, they understand that there are faults you know, within CMON. They are aware of distribution issues. These things are out of their hands. And Robert, he takes it to another level because he's the face of CMON for organized play, but even while he was there, now keeping in mind the event was very friendly and there weren't issues, but there were moments where some stuff was brought up about rules, you know, like why does this happen? Why does this happen? It's really unfair. He handled it with such finesse and such flair. I mean, he never, it never broke his stride. He never got frustrated. He never got into an argument. He was very steadfast in his support of the company and the entire process. And I give a ton of respect to him for that because it it would be really hard you know, I, I'm thinking of myself and you know, when I play tested the twenty twenty one rule set, I know how frustrating it was for me to have people coming at me and attacking me, you know, like, Oh, Brett, you did play testing, you did a crappy job because look what happened. We've got nice watch crossbows with, you know, watch captain. And it's like some of those things aren't necessarily in one person's control and so it's unfair when people come to Robert kind of sideways like hey we hate this rule uh why do you let this happen but he handled it very well and he's a very great guy like on on the personal level he's just a likable person so it's phenomenal that he was there and he was taking his time walking around checking on everybody not just the top tables making sure everybody was having a great time so if you've never been to a cmon sponsored event i can speak to you know nationals last year and and adepticon this year robert was at both it's definitely an experience you won't forget and there it's rare to go to an event and play a game and get the opportunity to talk to official members of the company that makes the game. So it's really, really cool. I He listened to everybody's grievances. He took everything seriously, and it was awesome. So big shout-out to Robert for that. So That's it for me. So, from there, I guess you had already said you were done with your shout-outs. But from there, we can close out the show. We're going to get scheduled and get more more of the small council members on to talk about the singles event, the 40-point one. And we will uh, probably touch a little bit more on the team event once we have Spencer on because he was Dave's teammate. So, um should be good fun, but I, I think everybody's probably looking forward to hearing about the the championship event. But with that said, we'll get back to you as soon as possible with a schedule for that one and good luck in the competition. But uh this is the small council and it is dismissed.